Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today on this beautiful first Sunday of the new year. I'd like to welcome all those at our Grovetown campus. I'd like to welcome those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome all those in our atrium. And let me just say, those folks in our atrium, probably 200 or so, thanks so much for your patience. I know the parking lot was really packed today, and, and just thank you so much for being patient and uh, being here at church. I'll tell you, it's been a great holiday season. Uh, we celebrated Christmas like never before. I'll tell you, uh, I want to say thank you for inviting your friends and your family members to church on Christmas Eve. Uh, we broke an all-time attendance record by 600. We had 5,602 people on Christmas Eve. What? Pretty amazing. Of course, that was over 10 services and three campuses, and uh, I'm just so proud of uh, what God is doing. You know what? I also know that it took a lot of volunteers, and so many of you uh, in our Grovetown campus, South Campus, you here, you volunteered, you gave up your time uh, so that we can make the, the message of Christmas relevant and easy to understand. That's what it's about. And so, well, let's get started. And you know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the 80-year-old woman that married her fourth husband? I mean, news went throughout the town about this. And so a reporter showed up and said, I want to just talk to you and do a story on your life. Said, uh, first of all, this, this husband of yours, what does he do? He says, well, he's a funeral director. He said, really? Well, what did your other husbands do? She said, well, my first husband was a banker. My second husband was a circuit ma- circus master. And boy, I, I loved him. Said, my third husband was a minister. And he said, my goodness. He said, all of those are so different. How did you marry such different men? She said, well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. (laughs) All right. I can hear Grovetown laughing. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Rebuilding My Life. As we embrace this new year of 2024, we're going to talk about ways in which um, we can truly be strong and uh, embrace the life that God has for us and your purpose as we start that next week. But today is the first Sunday of the new year. This is the first Sunday of 21 Days of Prayer. And I know some of you, this is new to you. So I'll just talk just very briefly Every January and every August, we carve out 21 days really to to seek the Lord. What does that look like? That every morning during the week, we have a 7 o'clock prayer service at all of our campuses. Um, And then on Saturday at the Augusta campus at 9 a.m. is during this service, uh, we uh, hear a devotional, uh, we pray private prayers, and then we pray uh, prayers of unity in, in the room. It's really, really special. And so we do that twice a year. Today is the first day of 21 days of prayer uh, in 2024. In January, we also add to that uh, a season of fasting. 
Now, fasting may be pushing away from uh, food. It may be pushing away from certain types of food. It may be pushing away from uh, certain shows or social media or whatever. That's between you and the Lord. You figure that out, what God is prompting you to do. What we do know is this, that fasting helps us focus our attention on what really matters most. It kind of clears the brain. So let's get started. So I want to start with one question, and I want you to think about this question. If you had one prayer to pray, what would it be? If you had one prayer to pray, what would it be? Would you pray for your future? Would you pray about your spiritual life? Are you suffering? Are you in some sort of pain? Would this prayer focus on your marriage? Would it focus on your kids? Would it focus on your career? I mean, really, here it is. What do you want God to do in your life? What do you want God to do in your life? I want you to think about that today as we go through this service. I want you to think about that as you go through your week. Think about, God, what do I want God to do in my life? Here's the point. I believe that God will do amazing things in your life. I believe your best days are ahead. I really do. And I also know this, and this is the big idea for this, today's message, is that we create the future when we pray. We create the future when we pray. There is power in prayer that when we ask God to move, he releases in us a power greater than ourselves, and that power gives us the ability to make good choices, and he opens doors that no man can open, and he does supernatural work as a result of our prayers. One of the most popular verses in all of the Bible on prayer comes from the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We're going to focus and stay in this chapter today, but I'll read the key verse um, uh, to begin with. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Now, this chapter, this verse is the conclusion of a chapter where God was doing something significant in the life of Solomon and all the people of Israel as they have dedicated their temple. They were dedicating a, a church building, the temple. In fact, Solomon had worked to build this temple over seven years. He used Moses' specific plans. It was 90 foot long, 30 foot wide, 45 foot high. When you went into the temple, uh, it was made of sto- the walls were made of stone. The roof was made of cedar wood. The temple was filled with beautiful things like gold and silver and bronze. There were elaborate carvings in the facility. This was a sacred place. This temple was a sacred place where people from all over the region would come and they would worship the Lord. So in 2 Chronicles 7, they met together to dedicate this facility. And during that dedication event, Solomon prayed. And when Solomon prayed, God filled that room with his presence and with his glory. Notice what happened. In verse 1, when Solomon finished praying, 
Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And notice this, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Next verse. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled it. Now let's pause just for a minute. Oftentimes, we use the words, the presence of the Lord and the glory of the Lord as the same word, and we use them as interchangeable words, but they're not interchangeable words. They are related, but they're not interchangeable. They're not the same thing. Let me explain. The presence of God is something that is relative. God's presence may be moving in this room. He may be moving in this room, but you personally may not be aware of his presence moving in this room because you may come in here and you've just got something else on your mind. You've had a a tremendous week or you've had a, a difficult season and you're just so focused on that and you may not recognize what's going on around you. I get it, and I understand that. There are times, especially maybe when you go through three services and and you sing the songs and all of that, I have to refocus my mind, okay? Think about the words of the song, you know, so that I can refocus my mind. Some of you, you look like you're taking sermon notes right now, and and, and that encourages me. But I also realize some of you are making a grocery list. Got a lot of things to do today. And so you may be, uh, you know, making your grocery list, updating your Facebook profile or whatever, and you may be focused on that And when the presence of God is moving all around you and you just don't see it. God's presence is here, but you may not recognize it. Now, God's glory is different. When God's glory fills the temple, when God's glory fills the room, his magnificence, his splendor comes, no one can deny it. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or a non-believer. If God's glory appears, nobody can deny it. In this uh, passage of Scripture, the priest could not enter the temple because the glory of the Lord had filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, notice what they did. They knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good and his love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Now what we see here, this dedication service actually became a 14-day celebration. It was like a two-week revival. And after this celebration, all the people that had come from all over, they went to their houses. They went home. Solomon sent them home. And then Solomon was praying one night. And one night, the Lord appeared to him and made a promise to him. And this promise was not only to Solomon, but it was for the people of Israel. And I believe it's for you and me. I believe that this promise that God made to Solomon that day while he was praying, he was alone um, at his place, and I think it speaks to us. We drop down a couple of verses. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then 
I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. This promise is for you and me. God says three things. God said, I'll, I'll hear your prayers from heaven. I will listen when you pray. Secondly, I'm going to forgive you. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter uh, your past. God said, I'll wipe your slate clean. And the third thing, he said, I'll heal your land. And I say, oh, God, come and heal our land. God, bring peace to our land. I think that's our, all of our prayers. So today, I believe that your life, that your family, your career, I believe that, that this nation can be changed by embracing four principles from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. What do we have to do? We have to do four things. First of all, we have to confess with humility. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. We've got to confess. We've got to, we've got to confess with humility. God always moves when your heart is humble toward him. When you come to a place where you say, God, I need help. If you've ever been through a recovery program, you know the very first step to recovery is to admit that you, need, that you have a problem. To admit that your life has become unmanageable and you need help. And we uh, encourage you, all of us, to come to that place. God, we need help. We need this power. We need this strength. We, we need your healing. And so we start to confess with humility. Now, so many times, we push away from that. We don't humble ourselves before the Lord, but we allow pride to rise up. Pride says this, that my plans are better than anybody else's plans. My plans are better than the Lord's plan. And when we allow pride to rise up, what happens is we start to edge God out of our lives. We edge God out, E-G-O. We edge God out, ego. So when we allow our ego to come forward, then it starts to push God out. And pride has this way, that ego has this way of disconnecting us from God. And when we are disconnected from God, it opens the door for trouble to come into our lives. Pride comes right before fall. We open the door for trouble to come. And we see in James chapter 4 and verse 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's the key. We've got to come. We've got to uh, be humble. And when we're humble, God will give us the grace that we need. Now, what does grace mean? Grace is the power that you need to change. Grace is that power you need to change. The first step to any kind of healing in your life is admitting that you need help. You've got to come clean. You just be honest. You've got to confess. James said it this way, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That says several things. It is the importance of confessing, but you see also the importance of other people. 
You need a partner in this healing process. You can't do it on your own. You need a partner to come. You need to confess uh, to each other and pray for one another. We need someone else to stand with us together in prayer. That leads us to our second point. The second thing, if you want healing in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in our nation, or anything else, we must pray with tenacity. If my people will pray. Now, what is tenacity here? Tenacity means persistence. It means perseverance. It means diligence. It means determination. It means that you're going to pray, and you're going to pray, and you're going to keep on praying. That you're not going to give up. That you are going to be very intentional in your in your prayers. That you're saying, God, I'm not going to stop praying until I see an answer to this prayer. I'm not going to stop praying until I see an answer. I'm not going to give up. One of the best examples of this is a story in the Old Testament about a, na- a man named Jacob who spent the evening wrestling with an angel. He was wrestling with an angel, and he grabbed the angel's leg and said, you can't leave here unless you bless me. He was just very forthright. I want to be blessed. Too many times I think we give up too soon. We get bored or, or maybe uh, we lose hope and we just give up. We pr- maybe we are just praying shallow and superficial prayers. There are times in your life that you're not going to get the answer to your prayer on the first time you offer it up. And there's several reasons for that. It may not be God's timing. You may not be prepared for the blessing that God has for you. You've got to grow into it, and then he's going to release that on you at the moments you can handle it. It may be that this answer affects somebody else, and God is working on them to get them prepared for this very moment. We can only see what's in front of us, but God sees all the things around us in the future and in the past. And I believe that God is working on your behalf. God is working behind the scenes. And that you may not see it and may not understand it. But I want you to continue to press through in in prayer. You've got to be tenacious. It reminds me of this kid named Oliver who at Christmas time, leading up to Christmas, he was a typical kid. He wanted a smartwatch for Christmas. Now, Oliver just didn't want a smartwatch. He wanted a Spider-Man smartwatch. And it seemed like every day, several times a day, he went to his dad and said, I want a watch for Christmas. I want a Spider-Man watch for Christmas. I want a watch. I mean, some of you know how that feels. And finally, he said, look, if you say that one more time, you will never get a watch for Christmas. And so he backed off. Now, Oliver backed off, but, in, but he still remained persistent, but he was respectful. He also knew his Bible very well. And one night they were sitting around the table, and the dad said, okay, I want, as we, uh, before we say the blessing, we're going to go around the table, and I want each one of you to share a verse from the Bible that means something to you this week. And all the kids did that. It got to Oliver. He said, my verse for tonight is Mark chapter 13 and verse 37. He said, Dad said, well, what does that say, Oliver? 
He said, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. (laughs) That kid was tenacious. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to watch. I think God loves it when we pray that way. That we are very clear with what we want. We are very clear what what we need. And we we give that request to him, but we also surrender our lives to him. And we say, God, you know what I need. I surrender this. This past Tuesday, Patty and I were having dinner with some friends. And and she was telling us about her uh, life story and how she grew up in the mountains of Kentucky. And she said, in the 1970s, her dad had a job of digging graves. And back in those days, they literally dug graves. He and a partner of his, they were digging graves, but the partner didn't show up. The funeral was coming. So he was there digging the grave by himself. As he dug this grave in in the mountains that summer, he had a heat stroke. And it affected him so much uh, that he could not work for five years. She said, during that five years, there came a point where he just longed for God to heal him. The the doctors had done what they could do, but he he wanted healing from above. She said, it was like every night we'd go home and my dad would be carting us off to some revival where they're having a healing service. And we did that all over the region, went from healing service to healing service. But she said, you know what? She She said, he was tenacious and God healed him, and he went back to work. And I think about that so many times we get in a situation like that, especially when the situation has extended over a length of uh, months or maybe even years, and we lose hope. We give up. We throw in the towel. And I just want to say to you, don't give up. Don't give up. How serious are you about getting your life on track? How serious are you about getting better? You are as close to God as you choose to be. You are as close to God as you choose to be. So it becomes the ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. It's your choice. If you're really serious about getting close to God, if you're really serious about breaking bad habits, if you're really serious about becoming spiritually mature, it's your choice. But you've got to pray, but you've got to pray with tenacity. Well, how can you be tenacious in your prayers? I would say to you, make a list. If you don't have a prayer list, then you'll probably never be tenacious in your prayers. So under your seat today at Grovetown, South Campus, here at the Augusta Campus, and they'll be getting uh, into the the atrium too, there are cards that look like this. This is 21 days of prayer. Join me in praying for. So what do you want God to do in your life? What are you praying for? You know, what are those things You know, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So what are you concerned about? And I just want you to write that down. And at the end of the service, we're going to bring these cards to the front. And we're going to lay them on the stage. We're going to lay them on our altar. In the atrium, you'll lay them right uh, right under the screen. 
and this is what's going to happen. Tomorrow morning, people will be gathered in all of our campuses, and they're going to pick up your card. And they're going to pray for you and pray for those needs that are in your life. And so this is a card that you will turn in. So just remember. So we are going to make a list. Now, there's another yellow card, and this is a card you're going to keep. Think yellow. We're going to keep the yellow. What is this? This is, uh, this is for your personal targets of blessing that you think of seven people that you want God to bless. These people may not even be in church, maybe not even thinking about church, but you know they need God's blessings. And so you're going to write their name down, and for 21 days, you're going to carry this. This may be in your car. This may be uh, uh, in your bathroom as you get ready, and you're just saying, God, and you just bless these people, and you call their, their names out. This is the card you keep. But if you're going to be tenacious in your prayers, I think you need to make a list. You pray over that list. There are times in your life where you will pray over something, uh, and then you'll just not have enough words to say. You don't know how to pray. The, the situation is so dire. The situation is so complicated. Um, and you don't know the words to say. That is where you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I want you to pray through me. That you pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. You pray in the understanding. This is the message of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. It said, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should pray and not give up. And here's what I'm really saying. I understand that you may be like me. That some of the prayers that you're going to put on this list are the same prayers that you had written down in August, uh, 21 days of prayer. Or maybe even in January 2023. Maybe they're the same one. And you are so tempted to just to forget that and to move on to something else. But I am saying, don't give up on your prayers. Continue. Bring them back. Be persistent. Call on the name of the Lord. I believe that the answer is on the way. You may not see it, but God is working behind the scenes. Let's continue. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and notice this, and seek my face. Here's the third point. We must seek God with intensity. We must seek God with intensity. Now, seeking God is not something you do in your spare time. It's pursuing God. It's chasing after God. It is seeking God with this, this fervor, this intensity. Hebrews explains it like this. He said, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Who earnestly seek him. Who earnestly seek him. 
that we go after God. That you say, God, more than anything else, I want to know you and I want to know the power, your power and your spirit. Just those things that you have this desire in you, ask him. To earnestly seek him, though, requires two things. First of all, uh, I earnestly seek him, but I make him the first priority. The first priority of my day. When I wake up, the first thing, I'm going to pray first. I am going to pray first. I'm going to make him my first priority. The first words out of my mouth may be, God, thank you for a, a, a good night, and I give this day to you. But you pray first. Now, I realize some of you are here investigating Christianity and this God and Jesus thing and this Christmas and Easter. You had not figured it all out. Well, you're in a good place. Stevens Creek's a great place to bring your questions, to bring your, your doubts and, and all of that. And we want to help you. And so we have a booklet here that you can go out into the lobby um, to the Welcome Center, and they'll give you this free booklet if you don't. This is the same book we give out uh, twice a year. It's called our Pray First book. In this book, there are prayers that are uh, already printed out. There are um, uh, different ways to pray, different devotional prayers. Um, if you need, uh, you feel like you're being spiritually attacked, that there's prayers for spiritual warfare, there's prayers for protection, there's prayers for confession, all that can lead you through where you are. So this is no charge. This will be uh, printed for you. You can stop by and pick this up. But it'll just help you. If you're new to this, we want to help you take your next step. And we believe that learning how to pray will, train, will change your life and it will create your future. I said two things. I've got to make him my first priority, and I've got to make him my daily passion, that every day I'm going to set aside time to know, get to know him. This is what Matthew said. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God, I'm seeking first. Then you know what he says? He said, then all these other things they're going to be added unto you as well. God knows what you need. He knows that your dryer's not working. He knows that your kids need a winter coats. He knows that you need money for rent. He knows that you need uh, this or that. And God is going to meet those needs. But you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. His kingdom means that, God, let your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we're putting him first. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Seek him first. Jeremiah said it this way, you'll seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So here's the fourth and final one. We must repent with sincerity. We must repent with sincerity. It says, turn from their wicked ways. Now, What does it mean to repent? Okay, so many times people will come to a service like that and they're sorry for their mistakes. They feel guilty. They feel shame. And they say, Jesus, forgive me. Well, that's making Jesus the Lord of your life. But making him Lord really involves more than just praying a prayer. It means changing directions. It's like this. This is what repentance means. You're walking in one direction, and you recognize that that you need help, that you need Jesus to save you, 
And so you call on him, and then you turn. The act of turning is what the old-timers used to call conversion. Have you been converted? You're, you're turning, and then you start walking in a new path. So you change direction. So repentance means it's just a change of direction. It means to turn around, to change your mind about things. Repentance means that you change the way you think. What do you change? I change the way I think about myself. That's repentance. I change the way I think about God. I change the way I think about what really matters in my life and and what's important in my life. I change the way I think about my value system, uh, the way I think about my money, the way I think about other people, the way I think about the past and the present and the days ahead. And I I change, I, I, I repent. Yes, I receive this forgiveness, but repentance is walking in a different direction. That you're not going to go down the same path that you've always gone down. But this is a new day, and it's a new opportunity, and it's a new life. And you're going to turn from those, and you're going to walk in joy and in peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and all the fruit of the Spirit. You can have a new life. You can have a new life. Your life can be changed. This is all what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when the message of Christmas. That she'll give birth to a son and you'll give him the name Jesus for he will save, he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save you. And so maybe I'm speaking to you today that, that you've come to church today to be saved. That you know that you just don't want to keep living like you've been living. You can look back and you can see your whole experience and you thought, man, life's got to be better than that. And let me say it is. When you turn your life over to Jesus and start following him, he will lead you in a better life. It will be better. You know, if heaven were never promised, this life is still the best life you can live. But not only do you, do you get the blessings of this life, but you get the blessings of the next life too. So in a few minutes, we're going to pray. If you've never been saved, this is going to be your day to be saved. So I started the, the message with this question. If you had one prayer to pray, what would it be? And I followed up with the question, What do you want God to do in your life? What do you want God to do in your family? What do you want God to do in your friends' lives? Well, today we start 21 days of prayer. And I'm going to say a prayer over you. We're going to sing a song in each of our campuses. Right after I say the prayer, it will go to our campuses. And as we sing, you can come forward and uh, bring this card that you've filled out. And this is join me in praying for. This is what that one prayer, that thing that you want God to do in your life or in, that, or in your family. And, and if you will fill that out and bring this forward, then tomorrow people will be praying with you over this. And we believe there's power in this. There's power in prayer. Okay? So let's all stand together in our atrium, Grovetown, South Campus, here at Augusta Campus, and I'm going to pray over you.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over Stevens Creek Church today. God, we've come from a lot of different places. And Lord, we have a lot of different needs. And there's a group of people that have come into this building for the first time. And then there's another group that they've been time and time again. But today is different because they've come to do business with you. They've come here so that their lives could be made whole, so that they could be saved. And so if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Just say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you want me to be. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. I receive what you have for me in Jesus' name. Head still bowed and still praying. How many of you just prayed that prayer? Let me see your hands across this room. Grovetown. Yes, all across this room. Yes. Father, you see the prayers that have been prayed here in Grovetown South and Atrium. Now, Lord, let your presence come on us. And God, there are people here today that have heavy hearts. There are people here today that are in the midst of the struggle. I pray, God, that you would bring deliverance, that you would bring healing, that you would bring help. God, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Father, I ask that you would truly send spiritual energy, spiritual uh, beings like angels to come and encamp round about them. God, come now, Lord. Let us sense your presence. Let us feel your presence. Let your anointing rest on us, Lord. We pray this in sincerity and in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.